Welcome to episode 107 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Ross Chastain sends AJ Allmendinger to outer space edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Refine. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. You had a really rough week of work, I guess. I, we both did, but and this is coming out a little bit late, but you know, gr- glad to be back on the show for at least to cover what happened last week. You know, even though it's all kind of been passed now, but you know, it's still uh, a hot topping in NASCAR with Ross Chastain moving uh, AJ Allmendinger out of the way to get his first career win at Coda, and all the stuff that happened. You know, last week in the world of racing, you know, we got to talk about F1. Seems like uh, Red Bull and Ferrari is going to be the battle this year for the title. We'll see how it goes down this season, but uh, so far, uh, first two races of the of the year, uh, great racing uh, throughout the field. So you know, glad to be back on here to be able to talk about it with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Ross Chastain has been running great all year. I think we've talked about him for since Daytona. I think every episode we've talked about Ross Chastain, I believe, and now he has his first career Cup win. Trackhouse Racing has a first Cup win, beating another first year Cup Series. Well theoretically a first year full-time cup series team uh, in college racing with AJ Allmendinger and the final few turns of that race at Coda, which I think lasted about 17 hours uh, because NASCAR has never figured out what a local yellow is or the ability to speed up the yellow flag process on road courses. Uh, that, that race made me at least a year older um, even with the good finish, um, that and the fact that Chase Briscoe had a chance to win and ended up finishing 30th, uh, that also didn't make me really happy. Um, we'll talk about the whole weekend at Coda. That includes the Xfinity series, which AJ Allmendinger won. So he's trying to do the double, um, not as something that he would be privy to in his NASCAR career. Um, even though AJ Allmendinger is quite a talented race car driver and, uh, the truck series saw Zane Smith get his second win of the year. So early title favorite, the two-time runner-up in the truck series, a guy who's now in the Ford uh, pipeline. So you would venture to think that if he continues down this path and can kind of keep that momentum going and battle against the Kyle Busch Motorsports group, what that might end up leading to um, in future years. We'll also talk about first stop and getting his first win of the year in uh, Saudi Grand Prix. And uh, beating Charlie Claire there, there was a little bit of brake testing and argy-bargy to kind of get DRS. But in the end, the Ferrari had the pace early on, but the Red Bull in the end had better pace. Verstappen um, actually used good racecraft, which is something he's not really known for. Um, didn't actually have to run into somebody, uh, which was also surprising. And make his stupid dive bombs that, you know that were not, you know, that were the hopeless dive bombs that he usually does to go and get that uh, first win of 2022. At the same token, you had the Mercedes drivers um, having their struggles, Lewis Hamilton getting hung out there with pitch strategy and VSEs and cautions and all, while uh, George Russell drove to a quiet uh, fifth-place finish. Um, Sergio Perez um, had a qualified on pole for the first time in his career. We'll get into what happened to him as well. And then in the roundup, we'll uh, talk about F1 going to uh, Las Vegas. So there'll be three American races. There'll be one, of course, Dakota, 
which is the prime race, but then you'll the U.S. Grand Prix, but then you'll actually you'll have the Miami Grand Prix and the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Um, Miami will be in May. Coda will be probably in October, and then Las Vegas will be in November. So we'll see how that goes. Bracing on the Las Vegas Strip, it won't be in the Caesars Palace parking lot like it was in the early '80s. Um, we'll get into supercars at Simmons Plains F2 at Saudi Arabia, MotoGP and Moto2 racing in Argentina this week. We'll preview the Cup Series at Richmond because, as of our recording, the Xfinity race has taken place. Just seen Keebler Gibbs. Uh, win yet again and uh, use up John Hunter Nemechek after John Hunter and him had traded pain, I guess, the whole time. So Keebler went and ran into him doing Carl Edwards style to go and win his third race of the year, seventh of his career. I think it's we'll get into that because it kind of fits the Ross Chastain narrative uh, here of last week at the uh, Coda and some of his driving standards. Uh, we'll get into Josh's sim segment, talk about the iRacing world and some of the, there's some news in regards to video games being released. World of Outlaws has actually announced that they're going to make a video game here. I remember playing the old World of Outlaws game. It was a lot of fun back in the day. So now 20 something years later, they're going to release a new one here. So that'll be cool. And um, we'll uh, close the deal. Might get into a little football. NFL draft is a month away. So we're going to start getting into that, see where some of these teams are at, uh, talk about some of these positions. I mean, mostly it's defense and defensive line and uh, offensive line. And, you know, there's key interior uh, in this draft, but you're going to have to talk about the quarterbacks and some of these other skill position guys and where those people will go relative to some of these teams that are lacking in those departments. But first, let's get into Formula One. Uh, the second Saudi Grand Prix at one of the worst circuits on the face of the planet. A uh, track that is definitely dangerous. It left Mick Schumacher uh, in a place where he wasn't able to race. After a massive crash in qualifying, destroyed his car, left uh, with nine, so meant 19 cars, started or were to start the race at uh, Jeddah. And because Haas withdrew, but then Yuki Tsunoda's car didn't even make it to the starting line because his uh, Red Bull powertrain, as they call it, or Honda quit. So after being the only one at uh, at uh, what do you call Bahrain to finish the race amongst the Red Bull cars, he was the only Red Bull car that didn't finish the race at Jeddah. So that, that was pretty rough. Uh, but Verstappen ended up uh, winning the race. He only led six laps, the final six laps. Uh, Charles Leclerc started second, finished first. Uh, Carlos Sainz started third, finished third. And Sergio Perez, Verstappen's teammate, qualified on pole and led the first 14 laps, but a um, cautious, uh, full safety car for Nicholas Latifi crashing again. That was the second crash he had had during the weekend, basically derailed Sergio Perez and from then on was really in catch-up mode the rest of the race and could only salvage a fourth-place finish. George Russell ended up finishing fifth after starting sixth, swapping places with Esteban Ocon. Uh, Mercedes was 22 seconds behind the second Red Bull. They were 32 seconds behind the win 
and basically thirty yeah third, over thirty seconds two seconds behind the leading duo at the end of the race. So a bad look for them in that situation. And Lewis Hamilton got one point, finished tenth after starting fifteenth, uh, moved up because of I guess grid penalties and stuff like that. Um, a horrendous situation where Lewis didn't even make it out of Q1. And that was the first time in five years, four and a half years that had happened. So a lot going on there. I uh, talked about the top five. Ocon, Norris, got points for McLaren, even though their team and their car is horrible right now. Pierre Gasly, Kevin Magnussen getting two consecutive points finishes for the Haas F1 team after last year's nightmare and scoring, what is it? What is it called? Uh, 12 more points than Egghead will ever score in his career. Um, so the fact of the matter is we're, we got through that. Verstappen and Leclerc, that was the battle all day. The back and forth, which is probably going to be the battle for this world championship. Um, it looks like Max is racing Charles Leclerc with a little more respect than he did with Lewis Hamilton. Maybe he's trying to be a little more protective. Maybe he's become aware that he drives like a tool. And if he drives Charles Leclerc the same way, it's probably not going to pay off for him as well. Um, so there might be that. Maybe it's a little cat and mouse early in the season uh, in regards to pace. But I guess we'll find out. Well, next week will be the Australian Grand Prix and uh, a different type of track really compared to the first two races of the year and where that balance may lie amongst that duo. It's been a few years since they've raced at Albert Park, so they've done some re-changes to the track, resurfacing. But Verstappen wins. He had the pace at the at Bahrain, but he didn't have the racecraft. But a week later, he may have not had the ultimate pace, but he had better racecraft and was able to, you know, utilize the safety cars to his advantage and uh, get Leclerc. Uh, as of now, he gave up. Of course, they gave up the points at uh, at Bahrain, so he's still twenty points behind Charles Leclerc for the for the championship lead. And uh, Ferrari has a huge lead in the constructor standings. But Josh, in the end, Verstappen gets the W. Can't uh, deny that. No, you can't deny that he got the W there. Um, like you said, he uh, actually had pretty good racecraft to start out um, th this race, and I mean, well, to end this race and. You know, he had the opportunity to um, take the lead a couple of times uh, leading up to that pass. You know, he had that battle with uh, Leclerc and got past him, but then Leclerc was able to use uh, DRS and get past him back on uh, the front straight. And But then eventually with, you know, six laps to go for stopping, he was able to patiently uh, pass him in the hairpin uh, before, you know, the final straight or the front straight and was able to actually get around him there and then got away uh, and took the win. So, I mean, like you said, this is uh, looking like it's going to be Max Verstappen versus uh, Charles Leclerc for the uh, World Drivers' Championship in 2022, uh, at least early on, that's what it looks like, um, based on how Verstappen was able to uh, be on pace, uh, you know, in Bahrain, and now it's uh, Saudi Arabia, and going forward, it looks like it's going to be these two guys fighting for the championship. You, know, you talked about um, Verstappen, how he's racing uh, the leader, and how respect, I guess, he's giving to Leclerc, and, you know, I think it, I think it just comes with experience, you know, going 
uh, being the champion from last year. You know, last year he was the challenger uh, to Lewis Hamilton. Now this year he's got to protect his title, like you said. And I, I think, you know, being that champion, you know, you got to be uh, kind of a racer representative of a champion. Uh, and looks like maybe he's starting to do that, possibly. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I still think he's uh, pretty regressive as a driver still, but beginning to be a little bit more smarter in when to use that aggression and when to pull back. So it looks like uh, for Verstappen, maybe we're beginning to see that now. You know, of course, um, and other things uh, that in this race that happened, uh, there was a great battle with Fernando Alonso and early on in the race, uh, great racing there, you know, certainly showing this car, this new car that you can race and pass back each other on a lap to lap basis. And so you can see it in the midfield and you can see it up front. Uh, like we saw with Leclerc and Verstappen, you know, you mentioned uh, Sergio Perez, of course, uh, maybe being forced into pit road a couple of laps early, um, looked like maybe Ferrari was uh, going to pit with them, and then they decided to pit with Ferrari, but of course, looked like Ferrari faked uh, going into the pit stop, and then, uh, of course, had that safety car with uh, Nikola TV crashing, and then that basically ended uh, Perez's uh, chances of winning that Grand Prix uh, first career pole in F1 and then uh, being able to lead laps but failing to come up with the win uh, so uh, missed opportunity there but you know of course now Ferrari uh, uh, two cars on the podium you know behind Verstappen that's um, pretty impressive uh, start to the season so far you know, they were 1-2 in Bahrain now they're 2-3 at um, at Saudi Arabia so looking like a solid start to the year for uh, Ferrari and like you said they're uh, massively ahead right now in the constructors championship so um, they look like they're continuing to improve and back up what they were doing in preseason testing uh, so there's that you mentioned Lewis Hamilton finishing 10th getting one point um, looking it looks like he's struggling now I'm Looking like he's struggling with this new car, you know, whatever it is, whatever the reason, and um, looks like Mercedes as a whole, as a team, they're lacking the pace. Uh, you know, Toto Wolf has talked about the pace, uh, their lack of pace, and um, we'll see as we go along the the year. Uh, does it improve? Do they, uh, you know, make updates to their engine, uh, being able to uh, keep up with Ferrari and Red Bull? Um, but so far, kind of an air, un, uncharacteristic start to the year for. Uh, Mercedes uh, in that team, of course, looks like so far into the year, George Russell carrying the flag for the team. So um, a lot of moving parts and pieces so far to this uh, year. So far, we've only had two races, but um, so far now we're beginning to kind of see what the season might look like. And certainly, um, to me at least, uh, looking pretty exciting, you know, despite um, this uh, race in particular, you know, like had had the controversy leading up to the race of course with the missile shooting and uh landing near jetta um of course uh mick schumacher getting injured uh in qualifying or well not getting injured but certainly um suffering a crash and then uh withdrawing you know due to precautions from the, uh, the grand prix so um even despite all of that um you know the drivers decided to continue on in race and despite all of that it was still a pretty good uh, grand prix and so far you know, uh, a lot of great racing, at least in, in my opinion. So yeah, that's uh, my takeaways, I guess, from this uh, Formula One Grand Prix in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you brought up the the missiles and going off and them blowing up crap and then the drivers continuing, uh, probably being uh, assisted by their team principals and other people at Liberty Media, along with the Saudi government and their 
threatening, um, probably not allowing them to get out of the country, amongst other things. Uh, the same government that killed Jamal Khashoggi, um, and um, that just randomly uh, got swept under the rug. Um, so there might be that in, in regards to that. Haas, of course, um, took precaution because Mick was at the racetrack the next day. Um, the rumor, and I read that on uh, social media, was he didn't want to go to the hospital and his mom basically had to tell him to go. And when you consider what his mom has had to deal with, um, with their, with her, with his dad and her husband, the legendary Michael Schumacher, and some of the other stuff that has happened, um, I'm pretty sure she was very concerned for Mick and his safety, knowing full well, more than likely, he wasn't going to race anyway. But it's you know for his career, and this is the second time he's had a big crash there too. People forget, may, many people forget that he had a huge off on the other side of the racetrack. Uh, during the race last year, which affected was, was the first of about 85 million things that happened in that race last year. Set um, up the championship. Yeah, it, it it really set up, it set the tone for what ended up happening in the last two races of the year um, because Lewis pitted and everybody else stayed out or, or Lewis and everybody, all these other guys pitted and then uh, fish lips stayed out and um, that kind of, you know, started a whole chain reaction deal. But yeah, there's a lot that went on there. I'm glad that we don't have to talk about this shithole uh, track and country for a year. It's sad that we have to go to this country to race at all, let alone race at this racetrack. It's one of the most, um, it's not really, it's an overrated go-kart track is what it is. It's not suitable for Formula One. It's not suitable for Formula Two. It's not suitable. It might be suitable for compact cars to race around, and that might be it because you can't go more than 130 miles an hour in a compact car. So that might be it. Um, it's a shithole racetrack. I hate, I can't stand Saudi Arabia. We've had two races there in I don't know how many months, and it's it's offensive and it's a joke. Just as pathetic. Uh, Charles Leclerc leads the points at with 45. He's 12 points out of his teammate Carlos Sainz. Verstappen is at 25, of course, after um, not scoring at Bahrain. George Russell is fourth in points with 22, and Lewis Hamilton's fifth with 16. In regards to the constructor standings, Ferrari is up by 40 points on Mercedes, and Red Bull is one point behind Mercedes, so 40 and 41 points. And then there's a huge gap. Alpine is at 16 points. Haas with uh, the points from Mac, I mean uh, Kevin Magnuson is at 12. There's actually a pretty good battle between from fourth to eighth, which is only separated by 10 points earlier early in the season. Alpine, Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tori, and McLaren. Uh, McLaren, of course, using Lando Norris's points from the last race. Alfa Tori with the combination of the points from Yuki Sonoda at Bahrain and Pierre Gasly at Saudi, and Alfa Romeo with uh, the points scored by both, uh, what do you call, Botas and Guan and Zhou Guan Yu at, the, uh, at, at uh, Bahrain. And then, uh, what is it, the last race? Yeah, because neither uh, Alfa Romeo was able to score points in the because uh, Botas was running in the points, fell out with overheating issues. 
Um, that was a problem for Fernando Alonso. He was running in the points. He had overheating issues. Um, Ricardo had that as well. So all three of them fell out within a lap of each other, which is the safety car and VSC that basically went against Lewis Hamilton, but the other teams were able to respond to it. So I don't understand that. Uh, it seemed pretty convenient. Right now, the only two teams that don't have points are Aston Martin and Williams, who probably at this moment are the two have the two worst cars. Uh, I mean, McLaren has an argument there with their car and their team in general, the way things are. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's about all. Australian Grand Prix, Albert Park, first time in a few years going there. We will see how that all goes down. It'll be early in the morning, East Coast time. I'm, I was looking at it. It'll be yeah. 1 o'clock well, in the morning. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I might be awake. I probably won't be. Uh, the qualifying is, I have to just go back there. I, want, I was looking at it because it'll say sync the schedule here so I can, it'll tell you here. And then Australia times displayed or track times. Uh, my time, yeah. So it'll be one to three in the morning. Qualifying will be on uh, Saturday the ninth uh, or eighth, which will be or it'll be it'll get early Saturday morning two to three, and then early Sunday morning one to three in the morning East Coast time. So if you're on the West Coast, it actually isn't bad. If you're a West Coast person or if you're somebody going. Going that way, then yeah, you'll going towards Cali and all that. That'll be a good. That'll be a good one. You'll get a nightcap there to watch the race. But I don't think I'm going to be watching. You know, probably have to watch it on replay uh, yeah. later on in the day for sure. I don't think ESPN has much to put on these days because maybe I'm not sure if baseball is starting next week or not. But um, I figure they'll need. They'll need something to fill some time, so they'll be able to show the race again. Yeah, I mean, I, that race time for the Australian Grand Prix, like, I mean, so here's the thing. Like, if you are, are in California, like, it'll start at 10, and it's actually a pretty good ending to the night because there's also, you know, in the wide, wide world of sports, there's uh, UFC 273, which is in Jacksonville. Um, and that's going to be a pretty big entertaining event. Must, you know, must watch TV probably. I mean, well, it's on pay-per-view, but a lot of people go to watch that. So, um, you know, if you live on the West Coast, you'll have the opportunity to be able to watch that and then follow it up with uh, the Australian Grand Prix if you so choose to do so. But uh, for a lot of people, I mean, I'll probably watch UFC and then probably go to bed after that. Um, because, uh, I mean, I would love to stay up to watch uh, Australian GP, but then I also know yeah, it's probably time to go to bed. So, uh, you know, the start times for F1, of course, uh, trying to reach a bigger U.S. audience. We'll talk about it later with Las Vegas uh, and the start time for the Las Vegas GP next November 2023. But uh, a lot of uh, sometimes, I mean, I, I get it's international and everything, but, you know, sometimes with uh, these starts, um, especially for us East Coast people, you know, it doesn't work too well uh, you know, watching it live. Yeah, I, they always, when the troll ran Formula One, everything was based around the uh, British, you know, the British time, making it either they would have it at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 12 noon. Or I mean, I experienced that when I went to England years ago and the British Grand Prix was right smack dab at two o'clock in the afternoon and qualifying was one o'clock in the afternoon the day before. So, and that was during Wimbledon too. Uh, I think 
was going on. So, you know, you had Wimbledon and the British Grand Prix going on. So almost a sensory overload deal uh, when the troll is running the show. Now, I don't know what Liberty's, uh, I guess, the deal is in regards to how they want to do timings. I mean, I we will talk about it, of course, with the Vegas Grand Prix. But I also think that there are some races you're just not going to be able to see, unfortunately. It's a byproduct of the way timing is in the world when you're talking about a world motorsport, um, unless it's a sports car race, unless it's like an endurance sports car race, you don't, they're really not going to have it at a time that's going to be palatable. I mean, you think about the 24 hours of Le Mans starts at, I think what, 8.30 in the morning here or nine o'clock in the morning here and on the East coast for both of us. So that would be even earlier for the West coasters and stuff. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, you win and lose, you win some, you lose some on that one. We'll see what happens. I mean, to be fair, after qualifying, you could probably determine who the hell is going to win anyways. Um, unless there's something that comes from practice that makes you think that makes us think that Albert Park is going to be there. We'll get more into it in the next episode, but uh, probably might not be one to really care to watch anyway. And I can say that because I've watched races at Albert Park ever since they started there. And most of them have, All been, later. have been pretty garbage. It wasn't like they, even when they used to run at Adelaide, there was passing zones. There there was a long back straightaway. You could kind of dive bomb at, at the first corner. There was the last hairpin there. You could go and make a run. There was actually passing zones at that racetrack in the original configuration. Uh, um, even in the V8 Supercars configuration, there was some passing. There was a, at least two passing zones. There's really one and a half passing zones, at least previously. Maybe these new changes will help. We'll find out. Uh, let's get into Coda. And uh, we're talking about driving standards and other things. But Ross Chastain put through caution to the wind, driving standards to the wind, and won the Echo Park Texas Grand Prix for his first career Cup Series win. A guy who could remember a few years ago, got an opportunity from Chip Ganassi to jump in an Xfinity car at Darlington and I think qualified on the front row, led a lot of laps and got into a battle with Kevin Harvick and wiped himself out. Yeah, and and that became a thing. Kevin Harvick went went off on him, which is funny considering Kevin Harvick drove the same way. And now Kevin Harvick has come out like like yesterday and talked to basically was very positive about Ross Chastain's driving standard uh, in going and sending AJ Allmendinger into the turn 19 um, boondocks. Um, Ross Chastain has always been known as an aggressive driver. Once he got into top equipment, uh, he drove for years in JD motorsports and lower level vehicles. And now He's been in top-level equipment. Justin Marks wanted him uh, to be his other driver, along with Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez dominated the first stage and basically, because of the stupidity of stages, uh, got fucked and really was nowhere after that. Uh, I mean, we look at the results. Suarez won the stage and then finished 24th. I mean, that's considering how good that car was, that's pretty criminal, uh, to say the least. But... Yeah, considering the rg yeah he spun too i mean a lot of people spun in this race there's a lot of rg bargy that went on in this deal 
Uh, Ross Chastain gets his first career Cup Series win, led the most laps in this race with 31. Alex Bowman finished second. Christopher Bell finished third. William Clyde Elliott, the second, finished fourth, the defending winner of this race. Tyler Reddick, fifth, so four Chevys in the top five. Blaney started on pole, got a lot of stage points, only led one lap, finished sixth. Truex, seventh. Sindrick, eighth, led 11 laps. Eric Jones from 30th, finished ninth. And Austin Dillon finished 10th. So that's, if you consider, I mean, Chastain, I, I, I'm i not sure that, I think the the college cars are RCR affiliates, right? Yeah, and then the Trackhouse cars are Hendrick affiliate. So in regards to RCR affiliated, three Hendrick affiliated cars finished in the top four. And then there was an additional, what is it, three RCR cars that finished in the back half of the top 10 there, or in from 5th to 10th, so good on them. The best Stuart Haas car was Kevin Harvick in 11th, but really the best Stuart Haas car uh, got railroaded. I mean, you had Custer, who actually qualified third, was running the Xfinity race, ran the Xfinity race. We're going to get into that here in a moment, in a few moments' time. He finished 23rd, got, got spun out in turn one, then... Uh, Chase Briscoe cut a tire down, had other crap go on, was leading the race, had a chance to win, was going to get penalized. I don't know how many different things happened to him. Tony was in the booth too, so can you only imagine? Uh, and then got railroaded and didn't say nobody said anything. He finished 30th. Uh, Boris said, uh, making a rare appearance in the Cup Series these days, uh, drove for the, uh, what do you call um Carl Long team finished 26th, beating the likes of Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Briscoe, Logano, Kurt Busch, AJ Allmendinger, who got wrecked there at the end and didn't finish, uh, finished a lap down. So there was, in the end, there was 32 cars on the lead lap because I don't know how many fucking cautions they had. It was a, they say this was three hours and 20 minutes. That race felt like it took about six and a half hours. And they had, what is it, nine caught? They're seeing nine caution flags. I felt like they called about 14 or 15, which is why 32 cars were on the lead lap. Stage, like, there's multiple things about road racing. And I think we've said this on this show, I think, multiple times over, especially at the bigger road courses. But you don't need stages at road courses, you need local yellows at road courses. Some of the driving standards and track limits have to be really looked at. Um, and how they police them or don't, but then it's consistent. It's, it goes with two sayings that I've always said with NASCAR consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement. Tony Stewart's in the booth. Chase Briscoe really didn't, he got sent there. They were going to give him a penalty, but they gave a penalty to lower level, the lower, smaller team drivers, Loris Hensemans, who, you know, he's a random, they gave him the penalty. They gave some other guy a penalty for doing the same, or getting put in a similar spot. But then Briscoe, who's running for points, who has won a race, his owner's in the booth, and he's already questioning what some of the calls you're making. They rescind the penalty on Briscoe. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i a Briscoe guy. I didn't. The, the point is he got sent there. If they penalized him, I would not have been happy. In the end, I wasn't happy anyway. Maybe if they penalized him, he'd have finished 20th. I think that's about the only thing that would have came from that. He still would have gotten fucked. He still wouldn't have won the race, but he would have maybe finished 20th. He lost points uh, on Sunday that he probably could have had. Because uh, now 
just looking at the driver points out of the curiosity. Yeah, he's 42 points out of the lead right now, but he's what third of the drivers or fourth of the drivers that have won a race. So he probably lost about 20 points, 15 points maybe. And if that's 15 points would have put him, he'd be in, he'd be ahead of Ross Chastain actually uh, in points. If he had gotten those, like he'd have probably gotten about 15 positions. So it, it it's where it's part of what makes the form, their format, their playoff format, you can go and finish 30th, but if you have a win, it doesn't really matter if you win stages and you get stage points and the whole bit. Um, a lot to unpack there, Josh, but I guess the first thing we have to discuss is Ross Chastain getting his first win, Trackhouse getting their first win, um, a tale of two drivers there. They've had a great year this year, to be fair, and Ross Chastain has been on fire um, I don't think a few years ago, many people would have thought that this would be what was going on, but watermelon man smashes watermelon. He was sitting there eating watermelon doing his interview. Uh, and he's a cup series winner. And, uh, that team is a factor for, I, I honestly think they are a factor to do something in this, this playoff. Um, if they can continue this momentum, because they've been on a great run early in the season, they they can continue doing this. It could be something. Uh, they could be the little engine that could. It could have the you know on the you know yesterday was the unfortunate anniversary of Alan Kowicki's passing uh, here, which will be coming up on now thirty years next year. Uh, Twenty nine years ago, we lost Alan Kowicki and three Hooters executives in uh, the mountains of Tennessee in a plane crash. But Alan Quickie is, of course, most known NASCAR Hall of Famer, all that for his small team beating the the big, you know, the big engine of, of Junior Johnson, Bill Elliott, Tim Brewer, Bud Washer, um, beating Davey Allison and the Robert Yates Racing Team, beating Roush Racing. There were six drivers that had a chance to win the championship going into Atlanta that year. And um, I feel like there's certain vibes with this track house racing team that kind of fits that old AK racing number seven team. And Ross Chastain seems like the scrappy kind of guy that really, he's not Alan Quickie by any means, you know, in a lot of ways, but he's hard nosed and he wants it bad enough. And I think that is a lot like Alan Quickie. Um, so Ross Chastain, Nobody really knew he was a big road racer, but he's become one. I think that was that A.J. Allmendinger education, and he sent his teacher into the Turn 19 boondocks to go and get that win when A.J. used him up there a few corners before. Yeah, I mean, I first of all, you know, with the driving standards with respect to that, I, I, I don't think that Ross Chastain is an undeserving winner. Like a lot of these cup races where we see this type of finish play out. Um, I mean, I still think he very much deserved to win that race. And not only based on this race alone, but based on his performance uh, so far this year and being able to lead laps, be up front. I mean, he's finished second a bunch of times already before finally getting a win at uh, Coda. So it's not like, you know, this is um, some random win and like in the past where you know we've seen a small team uh just randomly win a race and get into the the, the playoffs and everything you know this is a guy that's uh here to win and has uh showed it and backed up his uh performance on week-to-week -week basis so far this year so on that note uh 
not an undeserving winner. Uh, but then, of course, you see how this race ended. I mean, he, he got moved out of the way by A.J. Allmendinger a couple corners before uh, in turn 12 and then get, getting in, or well, turn 16, and then going into uh, turn 19, he basically let, um, pretty much bump drafts uh, Allmendinger in the corner, and then Allmendinger gets sent into Alex Bowman, who could have won the race coming out of nowhere. And, you know, some people talk about, Alex Bowman being an undeserving winner. Well, I mean, he was right there at the end when he needed to be. Uh, so, you know, uh, gets into him and spins out and then fails to finish the race. And, um, I mean, it, it seems like this is what you have to do to win cup races these days or really to win, uh, in NASCAR these days, the way that they've set it up. Um, cause I, I feel like certainly he didn't need to, uh, bump him out of the way or, you know, send him into the corner like that. Um, you probably could have passed him cleanly like that. Um, certainly could have, but I, you know, I think with, you know, Almanir being upset with how that ended, I mean, you really can't be too upset because I mean, he bumped him out of the way to, um, potentially win that race, um, just a couple of corners before. So when, once you bump somebody else, you kind of open the door for them to give it right back to you. And certainly that's what Chastain did is he, gave it right back to Almendinger and then some. So, um, I mean, I think, you know, in that regard, it's basically just racing how, how it plays out. And, um, I mean, if it was, you know, on one end, if it was Ch uh, Ross Chastain, just sending him in the corner without, um, what would happen or what had happened a few corners ago, um, maybe that's a little bit more controversial maybe a little bit more dirty driving, but certainly, um, he's just giving it right back to AJ Almendinger and Almendinger went and cried about it. So, you know, that's, um, I mean, in my opinion, um, it's kind of kind of fair, you know. It what goes around comes around, but you know, at the same time, you know, a lot of these cup races tend to end this way these days, and it does bring into question driving standards whether or not you should uh, bump a driver out of the way like that for a win. I mean, we've seen it before in NASCAR, but um, just I guess the way that it's happened these days um, certainly brings that into question. And you know, you talk about road racing and. Uh, the standards, I guess, on that. I mean, I, I go back to, was it like 2005, uh, uh, the ending to the American Le Mans series, uh, race at, uh, Laguna Seca. And, uh, I forget who it was, but, uh, there was a Corvette and another uh, GT class car that had a really good battle. And then the last corner before the start finish line, uh, I think the Corvette guy was about to pass him. And then he got like, they're right about to cross the line. And he got hooked, uh, you know, in the right rear, uh, right before crossing the start finish line. You probably remember this race. And I remember Tommy Kendall, our good buddy who's not been on the show yet, but, uh, he, he um, I remember he was on the call on that race and, um, you know, there's certainly driving Sanders there and going, tying it back to this, you know, racing for the win like that on road course. You know, a lot of people find it, uh, racing like that, uh, for a win, not acceptable on road course, but we've gotten used to it on, uh, short tracks, oval tracks. So, um, I guess there's a little bit of a mix up there, uh, with regards to how that plays out. Um, but Ross Chastain, uh, the Florida man, the watermelon man going out, getting his first career win, um, has been happened at some point and he was able to, uh, to be able to do that and win in the cup series is a pretty good thing considering just how hard it is to win in the cup series. And when you have an opportunity to win, I guess you do have to take your chance and do that and be able to win. So, uh, certainly Ross Chastain, uh, backing up, you know, his performance so far this year, being able to go out and win uh, in the cup series, uh, and, you know, it looks like we're probably going to have a break a record for first time winners this year in the cup series. Cause I mean, we're basically already there almost. I mean, we've had like what three, 
four first time winners already this year and we haven't, you know, had that many races. So, um, yeah. shows you just how well this, uh, car races and levels out the parody of the field. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Gumby, Briscoe, Ross Chastain, and, uh, yeah, that's, I think three that's already. Yeah. Right and now. Reddick could have won too. And Reddick has been close. You have, I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking like, I'll just bring up the driver points again. Uh, What's it called? I'm looking at this. Yeah, Reddick has never won a race. Suarez, they're all they're both in the they're both inside the top sixteen in points. Those two guys have never won a cup race. Then you have um, outside of that, uh, yeah, the, those two. So that would be like five if those guys could win. Uh, you have uh, Hale, well, no, Haley's won a cup race. Bubba Wallace has won a cup race. The next one after that would be Ty Dillon, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ty Dillon, Todd Gilliland. Um, yeah. So really, it would be those two guys. Uh, once you get to Tyler Reddick, I think is that next person, and then Suarez. That'd be five first-time winners. I'm trying to think. I feel like 2001. 2002. Uh, I think. 2001 or two. Yeah. There's a lot of first-time winners. Uh, in that time, because you had a bunch of rookies, uh, different people that were in there. I mean, Tony, it took Tony 25 starts. So, you know, like, and for like Briscoe, it took 40 starts for him. But then you have Earnhardt Jr. did in his 12th start. Starts. You know, Jimmy Johnson didn't take him that many starts. Uh, there, it, it, it all varies. Yeah. Harvick was in his third, third start, you know, so there, it all varies. Uh, I mean, Cindric. I think had less than 10 starts. I was like his ninth, eighth or ninth start, something like that when he won the 500. So, I mean, it all varies. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Chastain is, is a guy that I think is a contender and it's going to piss a lot of people off and it's kind of fun. Um, he's a, he's a polarizing guy, but the point is he's grassroots. He's come from nothing really, you know, like he's come from being a guy who had to start and park and bottom feed and, being the 25s to 20, being outside of top 20 to be in the spot, unlike um, somebody we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, the the fact he went and sent Almendinger, Almendinger got into him first. Almendinger wants to be mad about it. I mean, the fact is, his one of his mentors is Paul Tracy. Paul Tracy did it a bunch, and then it came back to him too, and he wanted to bitch and moan, and he couldn't deal with it when Sebastian Bourdais gave it back to him. And the difference was Sebastian Bourdais basically took his balls. And that, I mean, I think part of the reason why Tommy Kendall's not been on the show other than his being busy is because I badmouth Paul Tracy. He's, yeah, um, he's friends with Paul Tracy. And makes yeah, sense. he's very close with Paul Tracy. And so, I mean, but the point is I never was a fan of Paul Tracy. And I think he's a douche. And it, it is what it is. But the fact is it's the politics thing too. I don't generally agree with some of the politics, some of the things that, you know, TK is about, but the fact of the matter is he's an amazing race car driver. He wouldn't agree with my politics probably or theoretically, but I love motorsports and I it's whatever we're going to talk about racing. It's going to basically be, be a fan girling out if he were to show up, which he probably isn't. But the fact is under the pretense that he does, then it would be, me doing that because you know talking about all the different race cars he's driven you know how he he looked like zach morris then he went blonde with a little bit of hair and then he became tony canon um by he's become a big tall tony canon um 
except way more talent and a smaller nose. Um, one less Indy 500 win, but he's been married to the same woman for like 30 or 40 years or whatever the fuck. But, um, anyway, I mean, Coda was, uh, a long race and, um, I would, if NASCAR, they're run by the same people I run IMSA, yet they don't know what local yellows are. They don't know how to dispatch people out there. I, it's, it it just irritates me beyond belief. Uh, this has been the same problem for years, and you're running six road course races, and you're running at a Formula One track, and you can't dispatch cars or things to get people off the racetrack. It's almost like it's a game. I mean, we're on WrestleMania weekend right now. It almost seems like you want WrestleMania because you want restarts over and over again, destroy, destroy equipment when teams are short on parts. Um I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah. I mean, what I will say about that is the fact that this car, I mean, you talk about we're increasing the amount of road course races where, um, you know, the, this car is designed to be basically a road course car. Um, this is basically, and talk about how this car uh, raced on Coda. I mean, it was a, it looked like it, it raced pretty well, in my opinion. I, I think you can probably agree with me on that. Um, definitely and, yeah and this car yeah definitely is designed to run on road course tracks and you know you talk about uh not knowing how to put out local yellows i mean well maybe maybe they'll figure it out eventually because it looks like you know nascar is going to uh, transition to more of a road course like series or at least you know have more influence from road courses so let's take it you know when they go on road courses let, let's you know adopt more of the uh road racing uh procedures and stuff and yeah bring in local yellows and stuff and get rid of stage uh stuff and maybe maybe they can figure out a way to uh shorten the caution laps too um because i'm sure there's probably a couple of turns that they could take instead of going around the uh, full course yellow uh just so you know we can shorten you know the amount of uh time it takes to complete these races because i mean they are long and you know you talk about the race uh taking forever to end and that's how it's always like on road course races i mean we didn't didn't have any cautions throughout the first two stages and then after that things started getting hairy um so yeah. that, that's how it is on these races and you know at least if we can shorten the yellows on or the yellow flag laps i guess and go to uh, local yellows get rid of stages maybe we can actually have some you know real road course racing in nascar uh someday hopefully yeah that's where i mean the point you brought up about no stage breaks you can get points they did it they do it in the north american endurance championship uh for the what do you call um for imsa when you talk about the endurance cup they give points at certain in intervals of the race at 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, whatever in the world X 24 and at 24 hours or something like that. I, I may be wrong. I'm maybe remembering it wrong, but I feel like there's certain intervals, maybe 6, 12, 18 and 24. They do it in the 12 hours of Sebring at 3, 6, 9 and 12. Okay. Well, you pick two spots in the race of whatever it was 62 laps scheduled okay at lap whatever lap 718 and lap 36 whoever's leading whoever the top 10 is at that point gets stage points and then you let the race flow the way it would if cautions are going to happen they're going to happen but you also can to me i think you could speed up the pace car instead of running at whatever pit road speed or whatever it is, speed the pace car up and run faster. So then at the end of the day, they'll say, 
as long as you're not in the area where the incident has occurred, once you get past that, you speed up and you go and let the, the, the whatever safety workers understand, look, pull them off, get them out in an area. If you stop, you're done. Like that's basically what it is. It's not, oh, we tow you back all the way to the front of the field or whatever, or you take a shortcut. Coda has that shortcut because they have the short course. So if you're on the front part of the circuit, you take that shortcut. If you're on the back end of the circuit and you haven't gotten halfway down the straightaway, because I forget who stopped down the back straightaway halfway and they lost power or whatever, it's going to take for fucking ever to get them all the way back with all the goddamn corners because there's 23 corners there. I mean, at some point, you just go and say to yourself, if your car stops on the racetrack and you bring out a yellow, it's an Indy car is a perfect example. If you cause a yellow in qualifying, you lose your two fastest laps. You're basically in tailback. If you're, as Krusty Wallace would say, if you cause yellow in a race and your car stops, you're done. Pull them off. Okay, that's two laps. That's a two-lap caution. Five. Every caution takes like five fucking laps in 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 the cup series on a road course because they don't know how to f- god dang get tra- cars off the damn racetrack they call the debris yeah the, the conclusion of stage one nine for the they called so one lap one lap debris was two laps or one it was two laps 40 43 stopped on the backstretch yeah it was eric jones and then he ended up finishing ninth. so it tells you what happened debris on turn 16 like that was one lap Two laps, 47 stuck on the back stretch. One lap, fluid on the front stretch. Then, yeah, two laps. They're saying nine for 13 laps, but the reality is it's a three and a half mile, nearly three and a half mile racetrack. So, I mean, you could say, oh, it's a one lap caution, but it's a three and a half mile racetrack. So it takes for fucking ever. It's the same way as Road America. Um, 13 laps in a race that ended up being 69 laps. 69! um is is too much and it really doesn't have to be that much uh and you're talking about you know nearly 19 percent of the race was under yellow which you would theoretically say i mean when you get into i don't know what the poll time was uh off the top I probably can go and get that there. Uh, starting lineup, they won't show the... Yeah, nine, 132 seconds, so 2 minutes 12. So if it if the poll time is 2.12 around Coda, I would venture to say that a caution lap would be double that time. I'm not sure if you agree with that, Josh, but I would venture to say that that's what it is. So, you're, is, yeah. so if you're saying that a caution lap is going to take four and a half minutes times two, a caution is going to take 10 minutes in real time. So you're talking about 10 minutes in real time, amount of things you can get done in 10 minutes. If you really put yourself to it, you can get a lot of shit done in 10 minutes. Uh, but they seemingly can't clear a damn wreck or a car that stopped in 10 minutes when you have 85 fucking safety vehicles and 8 trillion people there. But when you run an SCCA event, they can run the the, the, the SCCA, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, what what the hell is it? Their their big event, the the nationals, the um, the um, uh, why am I forgetting uh, the name of it? Um, it's gonna piss me off. C A uh, yeah, the Sports Car Club of America. Here we go. 
over here. We have the, uh, the news, the member, the national. Want to go? Want to see the thing from nine events? Road rally, rally cross, track events. No hill climb, road racing. That's not what I want. The I'm I'm going this way to go and figure out what I'm looking for in regards to yeah the runoffs, the SCCA runoffs. That's that's what I was looking for. So they can run about 25 different classes of cars amongst three days, and they can get all those dang races in. 25 different classes of cars, they can get them in and out of there, do all that. But an NASCAR race has to become a freaking endurance race. I mean, for, for fuck's sake, Jim France runs IMSA. Like, who the hell, how the hell can they, they're, all these assholes are in Daytona. You're telling me they can't have a mess, they can't have a meeting, the dumbass SOD and Steve Phelps can't get their assholes to go and talk to some of these fuckers at IMSA. You can't talk to Bo Barfield and go and say, here's how you run a goddamn road race. I mean, it's retarded. It, it, it's getting old. And the fact is, you have to go to Snoroma, which is one of the worst racetracks on earth. And now they've decided to get rid of the cork. They're going to get rid of the the carousel they're going back and they're going to go back short sheet they're going back to the short course so they're just going to wreck people over there for whatever reason so that's whatever then you're going to go to road america which is going to be a disaster uh, there should be no stock car racing at at road america anymore uh just just do us all a favor um and get it over with unless it is an scca runoff uh, to be fair um you're going to go to Watkins Glen, which is fine. They've had that for years, and they destroy a bunch of shit at Watkins Glen. Uh, the Roval, yeah, that's, you know, it's the Roval. That's that's basically a demolition derby. So that is the, what I'm, and what's the other road course I'm forgetting? Because I said Snoroma, Watkins Glen, the Roval, because um, there's six, and I mean, that, we just had the first one. Coda's four, there's six. Um all right, I have to go into the schedule. I have to go back into the schedule then. Uh, give me a second here. It's what makes what makes me when I go off on a rant even better. I need to go. So yes, Coda. We have. Uh, uh, so yeah, they have Coda. Then you have Snoroma here uh, coming up. Uh, that's the next road course. Actually, is in June. Well, interesting. Uh, then you have. Indy Road America, yeah, the Indy Road Course, yeah. Indy Road Course is only two and a half miles, but they have a lot of runoff area. It's a Formula One track style track. But then, perfect example was last year when the track exploded. all the cars when they were using when they were using that chicane curb as a launch pad, like they were doing a uh, Nitro Circus, and they destroyed it. Um, and that wrecked about half the field. Um, it's the same kind of shit, you know. I, I I don't know. I it's the same crap in its typical NASCAR. They're closer to WWE with cars than they are to actual motorsports. But that's beside the point, I guess. Uh, it's a it's a product, a part and parcel. And uh, oh man, I forgot that they're going to Atlanta twice. That's gonna fucking suck. <laughs> at least it's only gonna be four hundred. At least they're only gonna have four hundred miles for that shit show um on in july uh that's a nighttime race i think too it's afternoon oh it'll it'll be afternoon into the night because it'll probably take four hours with all the wrecked race cars they're gonna have at atlanta by then uh 
they're starting to poke in a race at three o'clock, which was really a bad, bad decision. Um, they'll be running that, that Michigan race at three o'clock, also a bad decision. They're running Richmond in the afternoon in August at three o'clock. Well, at least they're consistent. You got to give USA when they're going to start their deal. All these races are three o'clock or three 30 starting with the, other than the Atlanta race. So Atlanta and Talladega is three o'clock and uh, Dover's three. So it seems like three o'clock is their thing. Three or three 30. Well, all the um, races are three, three 30, yeah. 30. Um, for whatever reason, um, they think that starting the race in the mid afternoon is a whole lot, hell of a lot better idea than starting at you know twelve or or one because they say they've been saying for years that the ratings are better when we start at three p.m. Uh, rather than at one p.m. Maybe that's true in the NFL season, but you know I'd rather I'd rather get it out of the way uh, earlier in the day rather than have to wait. No. and you know you're sitting. You're- it makes it feel like it takes forever when you know you start mm-hmm. at three and then you end at like seven or eight. It's like oh man, that took forever. You know. Yeah. And and let's let's go and look at it from the other a- aspect of actually going to the race. I'm somebody, I mean Josh, you've went to races at Daytona, you've went to races at other places. Me, I've went to Dover, I've went to Pocono. I remember going to Pocono, twelve o'clock start, you know, race ends at four, basically. You're gonna have to wait an hour to get out of there. It's five, it's two hours, I get home at seven. You're talking about three o'clock start, it'll be three 20 before that race starts it'll be four hours probably 7 20 you're going to be out 8 20 it's going to take two hours and be out at home at 10 10 30 you have to go to work if you have to go to work the next day it's ridiculous i mean it, it's just stupid um that that we're starting this races earlier and you're not competing against the nfl you're not going to beat the nfl no matter how bad Roger Goodell runs the NFL, and he still gets paid $30 million a year because he's a cuckold and a ball licker, um, they, they're they going to have one, you're going to run 105 or 1 o'clock and 415 or 425 now, 1 and 425. They could start NFL games at 2 o'clock in the morning. Let's be fair. They could start NFL games at 1 o'clock in the morning like they're going to have the Australian Grand Prix. Depending on who those teams are, they're going to watch. Josh can is going to want to watch his Jacksonville Jaguars because he knows he's going to get to see him. If it's the 49ers and they're going to be on national TV, I'm fucking watching that team. But it's the NFL. NASCAR fucking sucks compared to the NFL. Yeah. How are you going to go and tell me that you're going to start? Or you, oh, we need to get away from the NFL. It's really affecting us. I got a better idea. Start before the NFL and then it doesn't really matter, you know, which is what you did for 40 years before BZF came into power or whatever, you know, like, Oh, it, I don't, I don't get it. But then it's NBC. Nothing and, and but Fox commercials. And, and we got USA now, which is going to yeah. be, you suck ass. So yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing but commercials and you suck ass. We need to make a shirt of that. That's see, since grid talk, I need to talk to George. I need to figure out if we can go and make that as one of our first shirts. Cause we need to probably find like a, better i i our logo i kind of just bullshit made up but the fact is i know we could make a cooler logo and that would be the first shirt and then we could come up with like certain catchphrases and things but then the second one would be the nbc and usa deal and i would wear that shirt too yeah yeah i mean you talk about start times i mean i go back to my experience at the daytona 500 back in 2020 and 
the race. Oh, I forget. It was going to. And RNJ showed up for that. Well, I mean, too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. I mean, whatever. I mean, he was there. I mean, I saw saw him there. Whatever. But um, I mean, that's not the point. But I mean, it was heightened security and all that crap. But um, actually, here let's factor it into that because uh, I'll bring that part up too. But yeah, the race is supposed to start at like two thirty or whatever, and. Uh, I remember, you know, getting to the track at like uh, 10, 9 a.m. or whatever. And, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, we're all here all day and this thing ain't going to start until 2.30. And what happens at 2.30? It started raining and then delayed an hour and then it rained again after 20 laps. And then we didn't finish until Monday. Um, it's like, why couldn't we just start at one? We could have had at least quarter the race through or maybe even up to halfway, right, before it started raining. And, you know, um, the president, by the way, I mean, he only stayed – it delayed the race for like an, uh, an hour. And I think he only stayed for like the first 20 green flag laps and then he left or actually, no, he left like they're, they're about to start the thing. And then he, uh, it rained and then he left. So if you had started earlier, I mean, at least, I mean, no matter who it is, Trump or Biden, whoever, I mean, at least, uh, have them be able to watch a significant port of, portion of the action rather than, you know, taking off before the whole thing starts. Cause, um, I mean, yeah, the president's got more important things to do, but, um, you know, at least uh, allow them to see more than just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. the grid and being able to, uh, you know, uh, the green flag laps and all that. But contrast that, I'll contrast this to IndyCars. I went and saw last year the St. Petersburg Grand Prix uh, last year, and that thing started at, like, I want to say, like, 1230 or something, and, you know, out of there by 3 p.m. I was able to uh, go grab lunch with uh, some friends of mine that live in the area in St. Petersburg and Tampa, and then I was able to, you know, drive home, and I was I was home by like in in Melbourne. It takes you know two and a half hours from uh, or two hours or so from Tampa to Melbourne, and then you know, I was able to get back by 8 p.m. and you know go to work the next day. You know NASCAR starts 3 p.m. Whatever. I mean in Florida, it might rain, and then you're there until like 11. It's like ah, well, and it's the whole day. You know if you at least start early, you know be able to at least. Um, start at one you were home by seven or whatever and you know at least have some of your time back so it's all just really stupid and you know it just shows that they're tied to the, the hip with uh the tv people um because they're the ones that uh determine the start times it seems like yeah and it's it's ruined the experience for actually going to races like you're talking about it's ruined trying like it, it they've they've fucked with the 500 so much and why it's the biggest race of the year and you're burying it. You're burying the lead. That It's the biggest race of the year. It's the granddaddy of them all. It's the great American race. And that's the perfect example. The Daytona 500 started at freaking 1 o'clock in the afternoon for decades. It was at maybe 1.30, 2 o'clock when they started with these people uh, 20 years ago. Now you're starting it at 3.45 and you're putting rain into it every effing year because it's Florida. And you know that weather is totally unpredictable. And, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it almost seems like it's a work. But then it gets into the whole wrestling parlance, too, as WrestleMania is going on right now. Uh, day one of WrestleMania. I mean, it's what it seems like. And you need to, they move start times back. And personally, I mean, I'm old school that way. It's, I got used to the better part of, what is it, seven, eight years of my life, my first eight years of being a Cup Series fan, 12, 12 o'clock, 12.30, 1 o'clock starts. It was fine. It worked. 
Yeah. In the end, if you're going to watch, here's the reality. They're trying to get to LCD people. They're trying to get low attention span fans. The people that are going to watch are going to watch. And unfortunately, we're, we're that it's in a, in the end, we're suckers because we're going to be there at three o'clock. We're going to be there, but it's going to, but the difference is we're not going to go. They want low attention span fans to go and they'll go and show up at three o'clock. But you would rather, if, if this is just, smart business common sense but we both have common sense we're already ahead of 95 percent of fans if i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go there early i'm gonna get the first thing in the morning at a racetrack say eight o'clock whatever eight thirty i want something to see i want to have it's the issue with indycar where they say oh we don't have a lot of track activity the reason pocono has been able to sustain with two two races in two days is because they have two races in two days and cup and they have two races in front of it that's how they've been able to sustain they're gonna and and but they also have a good fan experience they give you a lot for your money you get two races for that one ticket you go and get the infield thing you get people who are independent vendors to show up that's how you go and get people pocono does it right but isc and smi don't understand that and they're the ones who run the majority of the races and then you have fox and nbc who don't get what fans want and they're gonna let make you sit there for five hours a day thinking there's a reason why freaking nfl is perfect because they give you like a three and a half four hour package they they give it to you they give you what you need the only like for me as a fantasy because it's funny i was hanging out with vic who's uh one of my best friends and uh, the defending winner of Fall Brawl got to put his sticker on the belt now with his new two-time champion placard on the belt, even though he fucked that up, which was hilarious. Um, but the fact he's got to put his placard, we did a video. We talk about football and sit there. I get you talk about going and watching Red Zone. I'll sit there and I'll watch Red Zone. You know why? Because it's only touchdowns and big plays. You're not going to get that with racing. You, they need if if NASCAR wants to get really cool, they need to go and have a red zone channel. That then then you'd appeal to me because the racing is so it's been good to be fair most of this year. Go and give me a red zone channel. You want to go and do internet and you want to make people pay for it? Give me a red zone channel. Go and show me pit stops. Go and show me uh, big big moments. Let me go and edit who the hell I want to see. Then then I'll go and watch it. That's the way you need to go and appeal to racing fans because you're going to make me sit there and waste all my day to get to the Daytona 500 or get to the Bumblefuck 400 or the Vagisil 500. Why the fuck do I want to do that? I'll go and watch Formula One in the morning. I'll watch IndyCar in the afternoon and I'll go on with the rest of my goddamn day. That's what I should do and that's what I'm going to do because the reality, even though I have a motorsports podcast, it's... I have better things to do with my fucking life. NASCAR racing ain't that damn good anymore for me to go and sit there. If I was gambling on it, sure. But I don't have Josh's fucking bank account. I probably would if I had Josh's bank account. But I don't. I, I have my bank account, and it's fucking horrible. And the difference is I'd rather go and spend it on bowling, women, and beer. So I'll, I'll go and do that. And I don't have to watch NASCAR to do any of those things. So uh, whatever. That's That's my thing, and I'm sticking yeah. to it. Yeah, we gotta we gotta tie it back up into um because I mean we still got to talk about trucks and we got to talk about <laughs> trucks. So we're gonna go and turn it into somebody who's got dad trucks money, and uh, in uh, Zane Smith who has now won his uh, 
a second of the year, fifth of his career, and uh, getting, uh, what is it, Front Row Motorsports slash David Gilland Racing another win, which everybody, I, I think people forget that that Front Row Motorsports truck is really basically a David Gilland truck uh, because they're the ones who are really fronting all of this and Ford is taking care of that deal. But it also is good for Front Row Motorsports considering they employ Michael McDowell. Um, so, you know, it makes them look like they actually know what talent is. Um, in regards to the points right now, I mean, Zane Smith should be leading the points, but he got DQ'd at Vegas. Um, he is leading the points in regards to the playoffs, but, uh, he is what 41 points or 31 points behind, uh, Chandler Smith overall. He's fourth in points, 31 points back, uh, getting into the race results. Zane Smith won over John Hunter Nemechek. Kyle Busch led the most laps, but got, uh, used up there by, um, who the hell was it? It was, um, Freezing Alex Bowman used him up yeah. in turn 11. Yeah, Alex Bowman's, yeah, Stuball and uh, Alex Bowman. Stuball still finished ninth. Uh, Bowman finished 25th. Friesen is actually third in points this year. Ben Rhodes, second, the defending series champion. Tanner Gray is fifth, something there. Uh, Thor Sport, you see kind of themes here. You got the Thor Sport team has three trucks in the top 10 right now in points. You have the the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, the two of them are there, so that's five. And then you have Friesen and there for six, so those are all Toyotas. Then you have Zane Smith and Tanner Gray, who are the DGR slash front row trucks. And then the, the one uh, non the team that isn't amongst all of that is the McAnally Halgaman team of Derek Krause, but he's tied with Tyler and Tyler Ankrum with the Hattori racing team. But uh, you have Kraft and Hosovar in there, very close in points. They're all within, they're tied basically, it's like two points between those four. So that's early in the season, only four, four races into the year. The, uh, you had Zane Smith, John Hunter, Nemechek, Kyle Busch, Ben Rhodes, Chandler Smith, your top five. Christian Eckes, Tyler Ankrum, Carson Hosovar, Stuart Fries, and Grant Enfinger, your top ten. Kyle Busch led the most laps. Zane Smith led the second most laps. And then every, after that, there was only a few guys that led one lap. Uh, Brad Perez, Brad Perez, who uh, made his uh, NASCAR driving debut at Watkins Glen last year in a K&N or a, uh, yeah, what do you call it? an East Series race, uh, Arca East race, I could can an Arca East race. I got that T-shirt, and uh, I was debating whether I was going to get his die cast. I'm thinking about getting his die cast for his debut, Truck Series debut. He finished 20th, um, got interviewed on, on TV, and it was hilarious because he's like, how are you interviewing me? I'm running last. It was kind of funny. Um, but... He got in there and he was, uh, he finished 20th. Uh, Parker Kligerman, TV's Parker Kligerman, started fourth, but only ended up 19th. I'm trying to see 
Lawless Allen, one of the greatest names in the history of the world. Lawless Allen finished 11th. Um, Trying to get through some of these other people. Sheldon Creed started on the pole and then promptly broke a gearbox on the first lap, which is basically par for his whole entire year, considering how bad his Xfinity series, the start of his Xfinity series career looks compared to his teammate Austin Hill. Um, Other than that, it's kind of, you know, you Taylor Gray had issues, whatever. And the rest of their car, furniture movers. Um, trying to go through some of this 10 lead changes or six drivers, eight cautions or 12 laps amongst the 46 lap race. But yeah, Zane Smith leading 11 laps and being in the position to acquire that second win. That second win could be very key uh, as we get into later on into this season because it basically looks like there's about three teams that are really going to contend for this championship you got you have kyle bush motorsports thor sport and the dgr front row effort there really isn't a chevy presence here so anybody that can get multiple wins get those playoff points is going to be big i know john hunter has a lot of playoff points right now uh I mean, it says yes, yeah, yes, three playoff points. So he's only what he's already third in in those playoff points standings. So that right now, so that's uh, that's a big deal for him. I mean, Corey Heim. It says he's uh, he won the win. He got the win, so they don't give him the. I thought when you win a race, you get playoff points, don't you? Unless there's some issue, like unless you're declared, or I guess if you're not, it looks like. Based on the points here, he won a race, but they don't give him the yeah. The, it he should have five playoff points. I don't know why he doesn't here, um, because he won a race. So because Chandler Smith has the playoff points and Zane Smith has his playoff points from his two wins. Interesting, but uh, yeah, Zane Smith gets a second win in the year, uh, and he kind of puts himself as a key player here. I think. Without the DQ at Vegas, he'd be leading the points. He's trying to finally win that championship and go and move up the ladder, but he's putting himself in a good position to do that. Yeah, Zane Smith uh, getting his second career win uh, at Coda. Um, yeah, he only led 11 laps, like you said. Um, I mean, it was basically this is Kyle Busch's race, like you talked about, and uh, I mean, it came down to. Last lap shenanigans once again, and seems like again that's a, a theme, continuous theme in uh, the Cup Series, and it's a theme in the Truck Series. Uh, the standards, you know, I mean, it wasn't Zane Smith was the beneficiary, but still, you know, the uh, the standards and uh, how people race on the last lap. Uh, I mean, Stuart Friesen, Alex Bowman went pretty hard, you know, in that turn eleven hairpin, and then they were trying to take the lead from uh, Kyle Busch, and then. Uh, they both got into him, and then you know that allowed Sane Smith to get by uh, and everything. And then uh, from there, uh, it was basically his race. Uh, John Hernandez was way far behind, so he didn't really have uh, much of a challenge beyond that. But uh, I mean, he, you can say I guess he's maybe a road course guy. I don't know. I mean, he's got second uh, win at Coda, one last year, of course. Um, so it looks like maybe he might be a, a guy who kind of knows how to get around these road courses and um, maybe an underdog uh, that you have to consider when we go road racing and uh, any of these series, whether it's truck or eventually Xfinity for him in cups. So 
uh, definitely a guy that we, uh, we have to consider at these tracks, um, uh, beginning to put the stats up to back it up and everything. So, um, I mean, there's you know, n not much to take away from this uh, race other than that. Um, but like you said, he uh, gives himself some extra security for uh, the playoffs later this year, especially with how tight the uh, playoff field uh, tends to be for the uh, the truck series uh, in in their playoff format. Yeah, I mean, Zane Smith has been able to win uh, different racetracks in his career, early in his career. Uh, just going to go to the, the caps lock there, going to that, and then <clears throat> going to the truck series. Oh, God. Uh, next race, yep. Next race will be Martinsville. We'll talk about that next week on the Ripster Podcast. NASCAR Xfinity's in. He ran 10 races in the Xfinity series. Who did he run those for? I'm trying to remember who he ran for now. I have to bring that up. Uh, oh, he ran for J. That's right. He ran for JR Motorsports. My fault. Um, and he was running him back in the top 10. Okay. I was trying to remember what the hell. Now he ran in Xfinity. Yeah, he's won the. He's won at big tracks. He's won at small tracks. He's won at the. Uh, and now he's won at a road course. He's won. He won at uh, big, bigger tracks over two miles with Michigan Daytona. He's won at Dover, Martinsville, and now Austin. So, and then the Front Row Motorsports team has won two consecutive races at Coda in their Truck Series. Uh, Two times at Coda, the Front Row Motorsports team has won both of them. Todd Gilland winning there last year. We'll get into the Xfinity Series race now at uh, Coda, which saw the um, which saw trying to uh, why condenses a full time team trying to, trying to, uh, that's great that uh, that's great that uh, Derek Hope wants to continue racing. It's just a benefit to the world that he wants to race. Um, AJ Allmendinger ended up winning the Pit Boss 250, led 27 laps. It was basically him and Ross Chastain that dominated this race. Austin Hill finished second. Cole Custer finished third for Bobby Dodder's team. Gagson, Mayer. So in regards to the regulars, it was Allmendinger, Hill, Gagson, and Mayer who got themselves eligible for the $100,000 dash for cash, which started at Richmond. Maya Snyder finished sixth. Uh, Moffitt seventh. Jade Buford eighth. Miguel Paluto driving for Junior Motorsports ninth. And Sheldon Creed finished tenth. Uh, trying to look through any other. Ty Gibbs qualified on pole, but only finished 15th. Uh, Sage Karam got spun out, still finished 16th. Kligerman driving for Joey Gase and Patrick Emerling finished 12th, dealing with dehydration and other issues after driving the truck series race. Uh, Ryan Sieg actually finished 11th. He's not known for his road racing prowess. Uh, Justin Allgaier got stage, good stage points and led a lap, but only finished 33rd. Alex Slebay had a rear gear issue. Um, after finishing second in the first stage, finished 36th. So, I mean, when you talk about this race, we go, Phil, you know, Gar Robinson, LMP3 champion, 
Defending LMP3 champion driving for Jimmy Means, wasn't able to make the race. Josh Williams has had a rough start to the year. Of course, Jesse Wuji didn't make the race because um, he sucks. Uh, Bubba Wallace was running well uh, for most of the day, and then he started having transmission problems. Uh, the 28th place finish is not indicative of what he was doing in that race. But yeah, AJ Allmendinger continues to add on to his tally of race wins in uh, Xfinity series on road courses. Not really shocking. Car was really, really good. He was biding his time the whole day, kind of like what he did in the cup car. And he did what he had. To, the difference was he was able to kind of dictate the race from the front compared to what he had to do the next day in the cup car there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, he continues his, uh, I mean, he finally got a win in the Xfinity series. Um, talked about how his season in Xfinity has gone so far this year prior to Coda. Uh, but now, um, I mean, he's gotten top tens, top fives, but now finally gets a win at the road course, which is what that's his bread and butter, uh, in this racetrack. So, uh, being able to go out and get a win, uh, at Coda, that's, uh, checks one off the list for AJ Allmendinger. And he's able to go and, uh, I guess focus on, you know, getting wins now don't have to worry about making the playoffs more than likely uh but you know he continuing to show what you know he can do on these tracks and um i think the bigger thing for me for i guess for almendinger is um i mean unfortunately he didn't get the uh the double uh that he was looking for but you know at least uh come away with the xfinity win uh there but um i mean some of the other guys that finished uh in the top five and cole custer you know generally not known as a, a road course guy but uh came out and finished third and put the uh zero seven uh almost not almost in victory lane but uh certainly a, a top five run pretty good uh to come home uh for that team um austin hill uh, generally not known as a road course guy at least uh so far in his xfinity career um finishing second uh, Noah Gregson, another guy that's not really a road course guy. I mean, for the most part, I think, I mean, he came home in fourth. So, um, some, some guys that no normally, um, you know, th you think of as uh, road course guys, uh, came out and, uh, did pretty well, uh, in this race. And then, you know, some of the other guys, uh, here, I mean, Ty Gibbs was expecting a lot more from him in this race, but, uh, led one lap start on pole, didn't even lead the first lap. Uh, but eventually he came back and led one lap uh, later on the race, uh, finished 15th. So a bit of a disappointing uh, run there for him. Uh, you know, Ross Chastain, uh, the cup winner, um, led 14 laps, uh, started second, but ended up in 17th. So um, got a little bit of extra experience for the cup race, paid off, uh, uh, seems like. I um, think, um, you know, Bubba Wallace uh, had a good run too, but just didn't uh, have a, a whole lot of luck. Uh, to show for it uh, there. Um, but I think, you know, overall this race, pretty straightforward. Um, you know, we only had four cautions, uh, just one outside of the stage uh, cautions. You know, we had a fluid caution and a debris caution. So yeah, this race, pretty straightforward, no crashing, no nothing. And then, um, you know, it was pretty solid in it. You know, at least, at least this one didn't end or, you know, didn't take too much time. So, um, you know, solid racing here. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about Richmond in a minute and how that one played out. But, you know, this one, uh, solid race, pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's something we'll, I mean, this race had kind of set up the tone for what I think we're going to see is one of the guys that is probably going to be uh, flirting with the final four here in this uh, Xfinity series and AJ Allmendinger. 
with his experience. Um, but another person that is likely to have something to say about this uh, championship will be uh, Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs uh, qualified on pole again on uh, on Saturday, meaning today, uh, with the Xfinity Series in Richmond. The Toyota Care 250 was basically dominated by two Toyotas. The uh, Toyota of John Hunter Nemechek, who ended up getting moved and finishing second. He won the first stage, got uh, pipped in the second stage by Ty Gibbs, but the race was basically between those two guys the whole day, and uh, Ty Gibbs ends up with the win after a last slap, last turn, uh, bump and run. Sam Mayer finished third and won the $100,000 dash for cash. So it was Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer, AJ Allmendinger, and Riley Herbst who are now the eligible drivers going into next week's race at Martinsville. Daniel Hemrick finished sixth. Josh Berry, seventh. Brandon Brown, eighth. Ryan Sieg, ninth. And Parker Retzlaff, who's uh, somebody that I think Josh has got, been able to run into in his iRacing time, uh, going uh, and getting a top ten. I don't think so. I haven't seen him around on iRacing, but um, yeah, iRacer, that's pretty good, though. He's, for a guy that's a uh, known iRacer, uh, getting a top 10 in only his second career Xfinity Series start for the Ryan Sieg team. Uh, Ryan Sieg getting a couple, a couple of cars in the top 10, that's a big deal for them. Uh, another person there, you know, Ryan Priest was driving for uh, BJ McLeod, started sixth, only got 16th probably because of the pit stops and issues there. Uh, 19 cars are on the wheel. So um, there's something with that. Gagson, Creed, both were buried there. Um, Raja Karuth making his Xfinity Series debut. Finished two laps down in 24th, but kept the car clean. So there is that. Uh, trying to go through some of these other people that had. Roughly had Jade Buford after a top 10 last week. Didn't even, he finished 33rd. Wyatt Snyder had a top 10 finish last week, finished 30th. Kyle Weatherman was driving for uh, Owuji, got a 28th place finish. Yeah, Harrison Rose, Bassett, Howie DiSavino, Matt Mills, I don't know who's the 55, but yeah, Landing Castle, we'll get, you're talking about so many people that are outside of top 10. Um, Jeb Burton, Anthony Alfredo, Brandon Jones, Allgaier Castle, we were top 15, Austin Hill finished 18. So, I mean, Ty Gibbs used up John, or I mean, you say used up, he moved John Hunter to win the race. Sean Hunter wasn't happy about it, but considering John Hunter's track record, um, it's kind of funny that he would say anything, let alone with the fact that Ty Gibbs has proven that he doesn't really mind moving people around, um, moving people out of the way to go and win races, which is fine for now. But I would venture to say that there are certain drivers in the Xfinity series that are kind of just waiting and biding their time, probably uh, likely in the playoffs, probably in the round of eight to go and kind of retaliate towards Ty Gibbs and some of the moves and some of the things he does, Josh, so that he's he's basically building a, a portfolio where he's willing to go and run over or move over anybody to win a race, well, you do that enough, you're going to put a target on your back. 
if you put that target on your back, somebody's going to probably use you up. I mean, he's definitely putting up an enemy enemies list. That's for sure for Ty Gibbs. And I guess the latest one on that list is John Hunter Nemechek. But, uh, I mean, they were going at it pretty good. Uh, the last, uh, little bit of that race, uh, John Hunter, uh, there was a point where John Hunter was basically using him up with his right side on Ty Gibbs' left side um, a couple of times. But you know Ty Gibbs was able to take back the lead, and then uh, you know late in the race, uh, John Hunter was able to go up there and kind of use the bumper to get the lead. But uh, I mean, it, again, I mean it's just you know race the way you want to be raced, I guess. And I mean I think maybe John Hunter's uh, moves were fair, but then. You know, I think definitely Ty Gibbs, the last lap, definitely overdrove the corner uh, and made sure to get John Hunter Nemechek out of the way. And so maybe that move in context was, you know, a little bit different than uh, Ty Gibbs uh, or, or than John Hunter, what he, whatever he was able to do against uh, Ty Gibbs there uh, whenever he passed him for the lead. So, um, you know, the last lap shenanigans come out again, but I mean, it's short track racing, I guess. And, you know, that's the way it. Uh, these things play out and now Ty Gibbs got three uh, victories already on the year so he's uh well on his way to you know potentially being a guy uh, that they're gonna have to face up against in the uh, championship four at Phoenix uh, in November so um, yeah I mean this race again pretty straightforward other than the you know the last maybe 50 laps or so just a battle between uh, the 54 and 18 all day um, but you know you talk about uh, you know, these battles and everything. Um, um, you know, one thing I'll say about that is, and I guess like the, you know, the viewing experience, you know, talking about, um, we talked about Fox, NBC earlier. Well, uh, there was a point in this race where I think John and Nemechek was closing in on Ty Gibbs. I think it was probably about maybe like 30 or, you know, 40, 30 laps ago in this race. And I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, but, you know, caught the end of it there, um, and turn it on and, uh, you know, John Hunter, I, I think this is at the point where John Hunter tried to pass him on the inside, but couldn't get the drive off, and he was, uh, adored him a few times, but, you know, that was it. Uh, and then in a, a second window or, you know, a second box and or side-by-side, -side, whatever, they don't have to completely cut away from it to just to show that because, um, you know, I would have liked to be able to see uh, John Hunter, you know, be able to close in on the lead because that's, you know, watching the intervals, he was closing in. And they did cut back to when John Hunter was – you know, just about to pass him um, there, but you know, you would like to see the, um, you know, it's like it's like watching a movie, and then you know, all of a sudden you skip all the important parts and you skip to the end or whatever, or, or you know, there there's all the setup and the lead up to that, and you know, they they miss on that when you know you cut away from something that was pretty, you know, looked like it was going to be pretty good to show something that's already happening, and then you come back to see uh, the the pass for the lead happen. Uh, and stuff so um you know a little bit of rant there but i guess but just um uh they 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 need to be able to improve the viewing experience to show everything in context i guess um because um you know that that's part of being a fan watching things little things like that build up and uh seeing you know passes be made you know you don't just don't you know whatever so it's it's um just part of uh why fox's coverage sucks part of why nbc coverage sucks so um, they got to be able to, uh, show all the action, not just, uh, just parts of it. I didn't get to watch a race, so I wouldn't know in that sense. I just heard about it on social media with Ty Gibbs winning, which I think is part of the reason why I don't care about watching on Saturdays anymore. I used to, it was a few years ago, I'd go and make appointment television for Saturday races. Um, those days are gone. Um, probably will watch next week because either we'll be probably doing the show 
or he might have done the show, so then get to watch in, on Friday evening uh, at Martinsville. So we'll get to watch that race. Oh, Dale Jr.'s in that one, too. So got to oh, watch yeah, that. So the, yeah, so yeah, there you go. So Junebug will be running his Hellman's car. Uh, you'll have, of course, Josh Berry, who is a Martinsville expert, defending race winner there, and uh, trying to get his first win of the year after somewhat of a rough start to say um, early in the year, you figure Daniel Hemrick will be somebody that would be some to look at. Um, he runs well there at Martinsville. Um, colleague has never really been great there, so it would be kind of an interesting combination if they can go and put something together there um, in what will be the cutoff race here a few months' time. Ty Gibbs winning. It's like some of these Cup guys winning in, in Xfinity. He's got the best car his grandfather owns a team. He runs over people. It's kind of his MO. Karma's going to catch up to Ty Gibbs eventually. It's a case of when that'll be. I figure it'll be during the final eight, final the round of eight. And then that'll be where we'll see if the guy has the talent and ability to deal with adversity and basically have to win two races in a row to go and be a champion. The... Uh, we go from Xfinity and the NASCAR stuff to the roundup to go. And so we're going from the Xfinity series to go into the uh, Formula One going to Vegas. Um, they ran in Vegas back in the early 80s, well before either of us were here or were a thought of existing. Uh, ran in the Caesars Palace parking lot. Well, this time they're rerunning on the Las Vegas Strip. And I was discussing this with one of my friends at work, and I'm like, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go and schedule a Las Vegas Raiders game um, on Sunday night football uh, the same day, and they might end up having, and he said, well, they'll probably put a Golden Knights game on uh, the same day too. So then there will be a clusterfuck of traffic trying to get to both of those games while the Formula One race will be going on. You brought up the time of when they're going to run the race, Josh. So um, it's cool. I think it's something that will appeal to a lot of people. And it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money to go to that. There's going to be a lot of money spent from worldwide people going to Vegas. It'll probably be the race that, you know, the Hollywood types will go to. I mean, Hollywood types have went to Coda. Uh, I mean, Matthew McConaughey is a Texas guy, but Hollywood types have gone to Coda. Um, it's a great racetrack. Uh, it's built for Formula One, but this Vegas race is the box office race that I guess Formula One really wants here in the United States to kind of expand their, their make their, ex get into their expansion and the growth in the United States. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the race time and uh, how, you know, how long it's going to be. Um, I mean, this race is going to start at night. Uh, it's going to be a nighttime race in Las Vegas. And then on, you know, the East coast is going to be way late, uh, for us. So, um, they talk about wanting to expand to the U S but, um, uh, got to be able to include all of the U S in my opinion, to be able to really expand into it. Um, but especially for, you know, that New York audience where, uh, you know, a lot of the media is based in, uh, the United States. Uh, so you gotta be able to, I mean, sure they'll watch it and everything, but 
you know, you got to be able to appeal to, you know, all the coasts, I guess. But, I mean, the, the, the track itself uh, seems interesting. I mean, it's going to include part of the Las Vegas Strip, uh, which is uh, cool. I mean, I've been there uh, when I was younger, and seeing all that is pretty interesting. Of course, I was too young to really experience it uh, for what it actually is. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, later on be able to actually experience the Las Vegas Strip. But, um, I mean, it's an interesting track layout, um, but I would like to see what it um, – you know, once they get some actual renderings of what the surface and all the uh, stuff, you know, all the turns are going to look like, uh, would like to be able to see that. But, um, I mean, we have one long straight, looks like it's, you know, going to be a, a lot of uh, DRS zones, uh, possibly, and a lot of high speed, you know, low speed corners or, or high speed straight, low, low speed corners. So, um, could be, you know, make for some exciting racing, uh, hopefully. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it does if it's exciting, you know, and the Hollywood crowd or type crowd can, can like it, you know, it can, uh, become a marquee event, I guess, on the F1 calendar, uh, uh, there. So, you know, Las Vegas, uh, big event, you know, of course, you know, as you talk about with, with the Hollywood types, it also comes with, you know, expensive prices. And I'm sure, you know, the average fan like you and me, uh, probably wouldn't be able to afford, uh, going to that, uh, you know, being able to get the most for your dollars and, you know, you talk about uh, Coda. I mean, the Hollywood types go there, but at least it's affordable for people like us. Um, yeah, I make more money than you, but still, um, I mean, the Miami race, the uh, Las Vegas race. I mean, you know, I again could technically afford it, but you know, it's paying way too much money for the experience of going there. Um, but at least at Coda, still affordable um, for you know for the regular fan uh, there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, should should be an exciting race. You know, looking forward to, I guess, watching it when, once it happens, and then, um, you know, of course, all the action um, and being able to have uh, three races in the United States. Uh, that's pretty exciting uh, for Formula One uh, as they try to grow, continue their growth in the United States. Yeah, it's it's cool. I I, I think the novelty of it is what makes it nice. I think it has way more appeal than the Miami race because at the end of the day the Miami race is basically in a parking lot and um, around a football stadium versus the glitz and glamour that is the Las Vegas Strip. I mean I'm curious to see how the logistics will work in having to close the Las Vegas Strip for three days. Uh, Not really sure how the hell that's going to work out too well. It's part of the reason why New York never happened and they left detroit the detroit streets to go to belle isle um but roger penske has a lot of pull so he was able to basically say we're going to go return back into the detroit streets uh here starting in 2023 so that'll be something we'll have indy cars back on the streets of detroit we'll have formula one on the streets of las vegas cup series might end up being running a street race next year too so hell will be an opposite world uh, here soon enough. Uh, getting into some of the other things that went on here this past weekend um, in the world of motorsports. Supercars were at Simmons Plains. Uh, trying to go ATC. Five different drivers taking the first five overall. Supercars positions for Repco. Supercars. Supercars Championship. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, you have, what is it, Cam Waters. You have um, Shane um, Shane Van Gisbergen. 
Trying to get Danny's face with his version. Okay. Seaton Brock, Australian GP record, it still stands. Yeah, five for five. Yeah, as it stands so far early in the year, Shane Van Gisbergen, Anton Di Pasquale, Brody Kostecki at Sydney. Then you have Tasmania, Cam Honor, Shane Van Gisbergen, Will Davison um, qualified on pole for the three races. So trying to get into. Repco Super Turn, so Tasmania Super Sprint. Then Shane Van Gisbergen has, how the hell does that say 14? Oh, man, yeah. He has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 wins. So, yeah, so that's, oh, man. Average qualifying position, 5.1 average. Finishing position, 1.3. Yeah, that'll do it. Um... That's trying to get the event results. So Tasmania Super Sprint, the qualifying race three, three part race. So Shane Van Gisbergen swept the race, the races at uh, the Tasmania Super Sprint at uh, Simmons Plains. And he's won three of the four first five, four of the first five races so far in the season trying to defend his championship, become a three-time series champion um, in race three. Let's get into that. So the race three saw um, saw Shane Van Gisbergen win over Will Davison, uh, Cam Waters, Brody Kostecki, and Brock Feeney, Anton D. Pasquale, Scott Pye, Andre Heimgardner, Lee Holdsworth, and Todd Hazelwood are your top ten. The race... Getting in a race four, Gisbergen Gisbergen beats his teammate Brock Feeney, and then David Reynolds, Chaz Moster, Anton D. Pasquale, your top five, Mark Winterbottom, Scott Pye, James Courtney, Lee Holdsworth, Todd Hazelwood, your top ten. Then in race five, Shane Rend Gisbergen over Will Davis and Anton D. Pasquale, so Dick Johnson gets two cars on the podium. David Reynolds, Todd Hazelwood, fifth. Cam Waters, 6, Mark Winterbottom, 7, Brock Feeney, 8, James Courtney, 9, Nick Percat in 10th. In the point standings, Van Gisbergen has a 67-point uh, lead on Anton B. Pasquale, a 122-point lead on Will Davison in 3rd, Mostert has Mostert's 4th, and uh, Brody Kostecki is 5th, Brock Feeney, 6th, Cam Waters, 7th, Will Brown, 8th, Reynolds ninth, Tim Slade in tenth. Going from supercars to F two at uh, Saudi Arabia, Formula Two, and calendar results in uh, sprint race saw Liam Lawson win the sprint race, and then the feature race Felipe Drogovic was the winner there. You have in the the uh, sprint race is Liam Lawson over Yuri Vips, Felipe Drogovic, Kellen Williams, Richard Vashore, Iwasa, Daruvala, Sato, Nisani, and Fittipaldi were the top 10. Then in the feature race, you saw Drogovic over Vashore, Daruvala, Hughes, Jake Hughes, Marcus Armstrong, Dennis Hauger, Iwasa, Nisani, Duin, and Yuri Vips in the top 10. The points see Drogovic over Lawson by 11 points right now. Vishore's third. 
13 points behind Drogovic. Yuri Vips, fourth. Theo Pocher, fifth. Drubula, sixth. Marcus Armstrong, seventh. Boshong, eighth. Jake Hughes, ninth. And Iwasa in tenth. Logan Sargent is 11th at nine points. And you have, what is it, one, two, six drivers that haven't scored a point so far in the season. Only two races old. Their next race will be a month away in Imola. So they have a while to go and think about things on their end. MotoGP and Moto2 will be racing at the in Argentina. The qualifying for the Argentine Grand Prix sees Ali Espargaro get the first pull for Aprilia over Pramac Racing's Jorge Martin and Monster uh, Energy VR40 or no, what is that? Trying to go and look at the VR46 team of Luca Marini on in third, then Polo Spargaro, Maverick Vinales making two Aprilias in the top five, and Fabio Quattararo, the defending world champion, in the top six. Ugh. Then you have Alex Rins, Joanne Mir, Johan Zarco, Taka Nakagami in your top 10. Trying to go in the top 12. Trying to get the grid. Yeah, Luca Marini there. Taka Nakagami. And then right now the current world championship leader in 13th, ahead of Franco Franco Be- Pecco Bagnaia, Franco Morbidelli, Miguel Oliveira. So that's an interesting combination of 13 through 16. Um, yeah, and that's it. Stefan Brattle is um, filling in for Mark Marquez at the Honda team. So things are a little tougher for them with Mark Marquez's continued injuries, especially considering he's going to one of his favorite circuits next week at Coda. Um, Moto2, trying to go and bring that up. They don't have anything in regards to Moto2. I guess that means, ugh, means they're not there. I'm try to get into, what is it, Moto3. That's four minutes, Algarve. So Moto3 sees um, Foggia scores dominant win, make no, you know, Dennis Foggia, uh, that's... March, yeah, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah, so MotoGP is the only one that will race in Argentina this weekend, uh, leading into the U.S. Grand Prix at Coda. From there, um, I'm going to give Josh the um, give Josh a mic here to kind of start the preview here with uh, Richmond. There's been qualifying so far uh, in practice. Today at Richmond Raceway, practice results saw Kyle Busch uh, run the fastest over Chris Busher, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, and Chase Briscoe. Eric Jones, Royland Byron, Martin Truex, Ross Chastain, Kevin Harvick, the top 10. Over uh, 10-lap average, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex, and Kevin Harvick are the five fastest drivers. And then in regards to... The pole award uh, saw Ryan Blaney get yet another pole over William Byron by three three hundredths of a second. 
Kyle Busch, third. Jace Briscoe, fourth. Eric Jones, fifth. Truex, Harvick, Chastain, Bell, Almirola. And then, again, the starting lineup. There's only 37 cars on the field, but Justin Haley and Greg Biffle didn't even get to qualify because of not passing inspection and uh, within the allotted amount of attempts. So they're going to end up having to lose their car chief and then lose, I think, and then run a pass-through penalty. So that's not a good start to the race for either Haley or Biffle, but especially Haley who's running for points. Uh, that's something that we'll look at here for sure. Um, looking at other people that have won, you know, Logano's won at Martin or Richmond. He's 11th, Hamlin 13th, uh, Brad Kozlowski 19th. 19th. Um, Kyle Larson 21st. 21st, yeah, he's won there before. So um, Kurt Busch and Xfinity has won there. I don't remember yeah. he's ever won in a cup car there, but... Those are the people there, and I'll let you do your thing, Josh, here. Um, let us know um, what you're thinking in regards to what we will see with this next-gen car after what was generally a snooze fest in the Xfinity race here today. Will the next-gen car help with the track and the conditions that they have there? Or, or are we getting ready to probably need to see them seal the racetrack again for the first time in what amounts to 20 years? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think... Um... This this race car, uh, this is going to be its first uh, short track race uh, that we've seen with the next gen car. So I think you know definitely uh, the if you know, what we've seen so far with its ability to kind of I guess close I guess on up on traffic and being able to uh, stay within um, you know certain distances but uh, behind the cars and everything. You know I think um, we'll see an interesting uh, event and. Uh, you know, I think if um, you can stay behind another car and be able to uh, keep up with them, that, that should be make out for an entertaining race. And you know, I think the other thing you have to think about is um, if a second groove uh, comes in, you know, if um, we get a high side or high line that comes in uh, for this car uh, or this track. So, you know, I think um, we could see something uh, like that. Um, I mean, we've seen Richmond have side-by-side -side racing before. Um, and it seems like in the last couple of years, the um, upper mid groove uh, compared to the lower line, um, you know, I think uh, could come into effect here. Um, uh, it could be an interesting event, uh, you know, to watch. Um, you talk about Ryan Blaney's starting on pole. Um, you know, we'll see if he can pick up a win here. Uh, hasn't won yet this season. Um, you know, would be another continuing the streak of drivers under the age of, um, you know, 30 being able to win a race. You know, he's uh, still in his 20s. He's 20, going to be 29 this year. So uh, the 28-year-old Ryan Blaney uh, winning the pole could be another driver to extend that streak of drivers younger than 30. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, I would... I would pick Kyle Busch uh, to win this race, though, um, break that streak. Uh, he looks like uh, he's had good pace in his car, and he's starting in third, um, so we could see him take the lead early and be able to go out uh, and, and lead a ton of laps of this race. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, last year's winner of this race, Alex Bowman, starting in 28th place, uh, but, of course, he's the type of guy that kind of works his way through the field, and they use strategy. Greg Ives is a great strategist uh, uh, that's you know able to put Alex Bowman in um, um, good positions to you know get good finishes, whether it's a win or being able to uh, you know race uh, for uh, top tens and top fives. 
so, you know, we'll have to see what happens in this race. Um, you know, uh, could could be a it's either gonna be a boring race or it could be actually pretty interesting, pretty compelling uh, to watch. Um, you know, we'll have to see if they can follow up with what happened uh, today in Xfinity uh, with the door, uh, you know, run over by Ty Gibbs and John Hunter Nemechek. We'll have to see if something similar uh, to that happens in this race. Um, but you know, in the last couple of last couple of years, Richmond hasn't really been all that great. I mean, the only interesting event that or race that did happen was the race that Alex Bowman won last year, and that was really only because of late cautions and stuff uh, causing uh, the field to get shuffled up, and then uh, they were able to take advantage of a good track position. Uh, so we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, Martin Truex won uh, last time the series was at Richmond. Um, you know, back in the fall of last year, he's starting in sixth place. Uh, he could be another threat to watch uh, in this race for sure. You know, Danny Hamlin was pretty dominant in this race back in the spring of uh, 2021. So um, we'll have to see if he can, uh, you know, if he can uh, make his way up to the front. Has been real good at all this year. Um, starting out uh, the season, been pretty poor for him. But you know, if he can uh, get something out of this race, that'd be interesting. Uh, Chase Elliott, um, another guy that's uh, done pretty well at Richmond, although hasn't won yet. Uh, certain 15th. Um, you know, we got rookies, uh, Austin Sendrick and Harrison Burton, both, uh, starting 17th and 20th. We'll have to see if, uh, those drivers can make their way up through the field. Uh, Kyle Larson has been pretty good at Richmond too in the past. He's won uh race here at Richmond in the past. Uh, we'll have to see if he can, uh, make his way up to the front. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Brad Keselowski earlier. Um, you know, this might be an important race for uh, his team. You know, there haven't been all that great uh, to start the year so far. Um, you know, they've only had one top 10 in the first six races uh, of the year, and they've, you know, haven't finished, you know, all that all that great, um, you know, to start the year. Uh, but, you know, this, this is a, a short track where maybe uh, the gap isn't as quite as big between the Roush Fenway Kozlowski cars compared to, you know, the rest of the field. So, you know, maybe, um, Brad Kozlowski can, you know, get a top 15 run or something out of it. You know, his teammate, um, Chris Buescher start right next to him in, in, uh, 18th place. So, um, maybe the RFK cars can, uh, get something out of this, uh, and, and they can, um, you know, have a better finish than, you know, what they've had possibly one of them get a top 10 in this event. So, um, you know, this should be a interesting race to watch, um, uh, just cause it's going to be the first short track race, uh, with, uh, the next gen car. Let's hope so. Uh, Richmond has definitely become a snoozer here in recent years. The races I've attended there have not been all that great. And, uh, you know, it used to, they called it the action track and there sure as hell hasn't been a whole lot of action there for a while. Uh, probably needs, they need to probably start putting a sealer down again, like they used to back in the day to assist with, um, the weather, of course, with all the weather you're going to get in, um, North, Northeast Virginia and for the racing in general. But, um, in regards to the, uh, picks, um, I mean, for me, I look at this grid and I look at what the, uh, practice, Results were, I mean, you're talking about, you got the qualifying there, practice results. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. Uh, at some point, he has to close the deal. Uh, I think Ryan Blaney finally, you know, make gets gets the first win of the year for him. And uh, it would be kind of retro, 
a redemption. It's a redemption arc of sorts because he made his Xfinity debut there ten years ago in a in a, a Tommy Baldwin car and probably had the fastest car that night. Uh, qualified third, but their pit stop sucked. He finished seventh. Uh, would be a nice little kind of connection and redemption arc there. But um, you know him and Jonathan Hassler, they've been putting fast race cars out there uh, for qualifying. They've had decent runs, of course. They're up there in points. But you want to win that race and get yourself in track position. I think at the end of the day, it won't be as drastic as uh, the Xfinity race. But I think uh, track position and having good pit stall selection is going to play a role. I think Blaney goes out there and closes the deal finally um, and gets that win. If we're looking at a dark horse player... um, to go and get one, I would say Eric Jones because, I mean, they have momentum this year. You know, California ran great the whole entire race, but that's a totally different type of racetrack. Eric Jones is a short track racer at his core. Dave Ellens is a crew chief that has done work. I mean, he's got the Hendrick connection, of course. You know, he ran the Xfinity program at the nine car. Now you bring him to cup with Petty GMS and this next-gen car with Eric Jones. They're a sleeper. It would be a big win, of course, for them if they could go and get the 43 car back in victory lane. Uh, be huge for Mr. The King if he could see that happen uh, here on Sunday. Uh, that's Those are my picks. Um, who are you looking at? Well, I, I think for me, like I said earlier, I picked Kyle Busch to win this race. I mean, based on practice speed. Uh, looks like he's got a pretty fast car, um, starting third and going to be up front. So expect him to be able to, uh, and it looks like UNC might win this, uh, sorry, but, um, it's pretty tight game there, but, uh, this, this event here, I, yeah, I definitely think Kyle Wish is probably the guy to beat. Um, you know, I look at, um, you know, some of the other guys that have won here in the past, like Martin Truex probably will be up front as well. Um, yeah, Eric Jones, that's actually a pretty good, solid uh, dark horse pick. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with, um, I guess for a dark horse, go with uh, Eric Almarola. You know, he look at uh, how he was able to run at New Hampshire last year. Um, I mean, I won't, won't say that New Hampshire is similar to um, Richmond, but, you know, short track racing, that might be something that, you know, Eric Almarola might excel at. So definitely think um, Almarola could be somebody uh, that uh, we have to look out for. Um, you know, he's had a pretty good start to the year so far, uh, just quietly getting top tens. Um, but, you know, I still feel like he's a guy that fits as a, a dark horse pick uh, for sure in uh, this series. Yeah, it's a good pick because Eric Almirola is consistent, but he's not known as a winner, uh, but this is his kind of track. He's been able to do work here in lesser equipment. Uh, Blickensdurfer, for whatever he's worth, is considered a good crew chief. I mean, he has won a few races here and there. Fox Sports likes him too. So we will see. Uh, Josh brought it up now. Uh, North Carolina is up 80 to 77 with seven seconds to go in what could end up being Coach K's last game of his illustrious career. Yeah. Three points down, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm trying to – what did I do? Did I get rid of – did I mistakenly get rid of uh, my my notes there? I think I did. 
That's what I did. I blocked myself out with my notes. Go over there and bring that up. We will get into Josh's sim segment here. Um, they were talking about Parker Retzlaff there and and uh, Raja Karuth earlier. Uh, but what are your what are you doing on um, iRacing, or what are you looking at towards um, these next few weeks? I know there was an announcement. Uh, there was a World of Outlaws announcement with the game. I think the Open Wheels 500 also made an announcement in regards of eligibility. So I figure I think that probably plays a role in what you're going to be doing, Josh, in uh, regards to the IndyCar and the IR18. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, yeah, this week the Fixed Indy Series is uh, doing Homestead uh, this week. And then uh, next week um, they're doing, see, looking at a schedule, uh, Homestead and then Auto Club. So two tracks I really like um, for the Oval Series. Uh, see, maybe um, if I can get some in tonight, later uh, later tonight or tomorrow for Homestead, uh, and then later in the week probably maybe try to do some Auto Club uh later in the week i mean got got some uh you know work stuff that i still got to do um of course uh so you know there will be that but then i guess um you know after that i uh, probably have a little bit of time for some i racing and definitely definitely try to do auto club speedway uh with the indycar it's always a fun fun racetrack and definitely like using the the high line there uh like i do with the indycar so um you know that's a definitely a track that i i enjoy running at with uh uh, the IR18 uh, on the roadside for the IR18. Uh, I think they they're at Phoenix this week in the road series, and then uh, next week at Long Beach, uh, just like the real series. So maybe try out a little bit of Long Beach. Uh, uh, it's a, definitely a, a tougher track uh, to run, but you know definitely got to uh, try out uh, racing at Long Beach, which I have actually yet to do in the Indy cars uh, in this series. Uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see in the. 87 cars uh, at um, uh, uh, NASCAR Legend Series. Um, got, let's see, Charlotte Motor Speedway and Darlington, uh, the Charlotte at the end of this week, and then uh, Darlington. Uh, I don't know if I have enough time to do any of that uh, there. Um, other series that might be looking to run that fit into my time frame. Uh, there's this uh, uh, production car Simulab Challenge, which is uh, basically a series that has uh, the... Mazda Miata, uh, Pontiac Solstice, a VW Jetta, and the Ford Mustang uh, FR500. Uh, that's a series I like running in iRacing. It's always fun. They're racing at the Boot Watkins Glen configuration, so should be a fun event uh, there, which is only like a 30-minute time to race, uh, which is always fun to watch or fun to uh, race in. And it's um, not too long, but you know you get your road course racing in, uh, multi-class racing in, uh, fix in there. Um, other series that I've run in the past trying to just pull up all the lists here um uh road road course racing series uh that i've uh done in the past and like like doing um yeah the touring car class uh with the honda civic racing at okayama international circuit that's always a fun track uh to play on on i racing so yeah lots of lots of good opportunities uh to play on i racing here uh with uh all these tracks um and then yeah you mentioned uh the basketball stuff earlier yeah unc just won uh rest in peace to my bracket it's all finished now and one of my friends won our bracket challenge that we were doing um i did try to, i wanted to play for money but i forgot to organize it it was my bracket and then i um had some 
I guess, hangups on there trying to figure out who was who in the bracket, and I didn't find out until later. And then I, I should have should have charged everybody uh, before entering, uh, before entering, um, so that we you know increase the pot, I guess, as we go rather than uh, charging everybody after the fact, because uh, then it's hard it's hard to charge somebody ten dollars after their bracket's already busted on the day day one of uh the thing which happened to some people in my thing in my bracket challenge uh there but at least there's that um on just uh, on a side note and then i know you mentioned open wheels 500 um i haven't really heard anything out outside of um the uh you know entries uh, uh i guess the reopening of the race uh for the open wheels 500 uh haven't really uh seen uh enough so okay Per our gaming council, a decision has been made that drivers that attempt to qualify for the iRacing Indy 500 will be ineligible to enter the 2022 Open Wheels 500 mile race. Okay, now I see that, and now you've made me aware of that because you talked about it. Uh, that is interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting decision, and I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to go to the iRacing forums on the IndyCar side to really uh, see, because I'm sure that, you know, that's a, the IndyCar racing community on iRacing is very interesting. It's a very gate-kept, very close-knit, um, and it's um, definitely uh, definitely a interesting community. And they're very, like, when you mess with stuff, like like last year, they, they messed with uh, qualifying for the Indy 500, for the iRacing Indy 500. It was, they for the open setup, they basically, like, like the day before qualifying, they gave everybody the default iRacing setup uh, for Indianapolis, and it was just about as good or maybe even better than the ones that people had been coming up with. The ones like there's a bunch of like online setup shops uh, online uh, that you know, and other places where people come up with setups and stuff, and people were kind of pissed off. Tanner was very, very upset about that. I remember he had a big long post and there's a big thread on the iRacing forums that you can go, I don't know if it's still there, but go look at and see, uh, uh, just, uh, the, you know, the complaints that people had. And, um, you know, there's, you know, people were, you know, either on one side or the other side of whether or not they should, you know, allowed, uh, that setup change to happen, uh, in the middle, like of, of, uh, qualifying for the iRacing Indy 500. So, um, you know, that's an interesting decision by the open wheels, I guess, uh, people whatever because um, i feel like in my opinion i would have you know used the open wheels or used the indy 500 as a uh you know thing as practice for the open wheels 500 so i guess this is going to be a big decision i'm gonna have to make you know to enter the iRacing indy 500 you know in may when kind of getting hyped up for the real indy 500 and you want to race the iRacing indy 500 um, or do you want to try and go for the open wheels 500, um, you know, in, in November. So that's definitely going to thin out the field for sure. Because, you know, on one hand you have the teams and people that compete for the open wheels 500. Will they decide to go for the iRacing 500? And, you know, if they don't, then they'll compete there. And that means that there's going to be a lot of opportunity to win the iRacing 500, which probably have a better chance of winning that than the Open Wheels 500. But on the other hand, if you want to go for the Open Wheels 500, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for that. So it's going to be a, a pretty interesting decision I'm going to have to make here. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to have to, I guess, seek counsel on the iRacing forums and see what people say about that. So. Uh, it's definitely something I have to look into, and I'm glad I learned that because now, now I have some decisions I'm gonna have to make. So we'll see. I have to see what happens there. But yeah, now, now I'm gonna have to 
think about what I want to do for next month. And maybe it frees up my Friday night or Saturday night next month, and I can just put, push that off until November. We'll have to see. And it goes and kind of puts you in a position where if you attempt to qualify, it doesn't mean that you can't practice, right, in theory. It means you could practice for the iRacing Indy 500, but if you yeah, decide to race. make Yeah, you can't attempt to qualify. So there's no... so. I guess we're 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 going and talking about it in live. So you're I was I read that and I thought you had read that. So now I'm glad I guess I mentioned that so that you were able to go and look at it. So it kind of gives you an opportunity to try your open setup or a fixed setup uh, situation and go and see where you're at relative to everybody else. And then if you're competitive, well, you can go one way. If you're not. You just gave yourself some R&D time and you then get to go and spend another six months to work on that while you're running the Indy um, Oval Series uh, and getting more time in that car before the Open Wheels 500. Uh, I guess we'll find out here in a month, as you said. Where can we follow your streams, Josh? Uh, Where can we follow you? on social media so we can get all the info and what you're thinking and what you're doing in regards to not only racing but sports and in general. As always, of course, you, know, you can follow me uh, at JP Huffine. That's the, the Twitter and the Instagram. That's where you can follow me at uh, for uh, all my stuff uh, where I'm, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm, what I'm doing and all that. And then um, for the iRacing streams and any other sim racing or gaming streams, you can find me at Twitch TV slash UCLR2. Watch me on there. Um, haven't been live in a while. But I uh, got to reconfigure something on my account uh, there to with my streaming software. And then once I get that out of the way, I'll uh, try to stream a little bit more than I have been. I mean, I've been playing a little bit of iRacing while while I've been here, or you know, you know, while I've been around. Just uh, f- keep forgetting to um, reconfigure my uh, stream key, I guess, or whatever for uh, my software that I use to stream, so that you know, it can talk to my Twitch account and you know. Uh, stream to Twitch and everything, so there's that. But you know, definitely tweet out the links uh, when I stream, and then you can go and watch. And definitely uh, try to let you know Phil when I am live. So uh, if you want to tune in, you can tune in. So yeah, that's where you can watch me and where you can follow me at Unbeat Yourself. There you go. So you can follow me at Philip G Matthew on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me, or you can follow the Gripstrip Podcast at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can. Um, in regards to the Ripstrip Pod, um, we're on all basically any platform you can find podcast. Uh, in in let's see here, and we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. We're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. So we're basically anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find Ripstrip Podcast. We're on YouTube. Josh uh, handles the video side, so we're at Gripstrip Podcast on um, YouTube, or Grip, yeah. is it Gripstrip, but yeah. Yeah, it's Gripstrip Podcast, yeah, on YouTube, so yeah, yeah, go go and subscribe, like our videos, and you know, comment, and give us feedback and everything. We're trying to break into the video space there, and trying to, um, you know, post our podcast there, so you, you can watch or listen on there, and uh, try to grow that. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's a good deal there. Uh, now that we're posting that video as well, um, me and it's uh, cool to be able 
to have that as well, along with um, our show and getting it out there on our platforms that we have it there. Um, we'll be back next week with episode 108 to talk about NASCAR Cup at Richmond, talk about MotoGP, and a very, very busy week in motorsports. Um, you got two series at Long Beach. You have um, Formula One and, and Supercars in Australia. You have um, yeah, IndyCar IMSA at Long Beach. You have NASCAR Martinsville, all three series. You have Formula E in Italy. You have other stuff going on. I think World Superbikes as well. So we'll get into all of that here for episode 108 of the Grip Trip Podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you once again for listening to the GSP. And um, take care. God bless. Good night.